welcome to series one, episode one of the Middling Along podcast. And I really couldn't be more delighted that my first guest is a lovely Hannah Baronzo. And she's going to be talking to us about her business, uh, The Gypsy Baker. Hi, Hannah. Oh, hi there, Emma. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Well, you have the slightly dubious honour of being the very first guest ever (laughs) on the podcast, hopefully not the last. Oh, I'm totally Um, honoured. I really am. (laughs) So let's dive straight in. Um, Tell us where did the inspiration for the name The Gypsy Baker come from? Yeah, so it's it's really um, a nod to my family roots. So um, my family are really big on family history and my paternal great-grandfather, who was called Sidney Gregory, was born a gypsy and led a very exciting, interesting, adventurous life, which my dad is actually researching. He's going to be writing a novel. That's his that's his project, his retirement. And my maternal grandfather was a baker and worked for a very big family bakery. And so I just decided to marry those two parts of my of my ancestry um, and bring them together for, for the name of my of my project. It's a, it's a very kind of evocative image that, that kind of comes to yeah. mind. Yeah. Um, you, you went ahead and launched quite early on in, in the first uh, UK lockdown earlier on this year. But was it something that you had been thinking about for a while before then? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is something that, um, goodness, at least sort of three or four years in the making. I mean, basically, I have always loved bread. I've been making my own bread for many, many years. I was, I've been fortunate enough to have, have a spell of living in France, in Italy, got to taste amazing artisanal bread and moved back to Oxford actually 14 years ago now and just sort of was disappointed with the kind of bread that I could get hold of so that was kind of what prompted me to learn how to make my own and then probably about five or six years ago I learned sourdough bread um, baking and just was so hooked so I am a teacher that's what I've been doing all of my career so I teach English as a foreign language to international students And really, my passion for baking bread and just the fact that it took me to a happy place, I just loved every aspect of it, all the the process of making it and, of course, the the end result. With my teaching skills, it just felt very natural for me to design um, a sourdough workshop and start to transfer that knowledge and that enthusiasm and passion onto others. So, of course, pre-lockdown, you know, I designed uh, a workshop that was face-to-face. It was a two-hour workshop. I trialled it. Um, had it all ready to go, had my first customer, yours truly, <laughs> booked in uh, to run that workshop um, face-to-face, sort of me coming round to your to your kitchen. Actually, it was for your husband, wasn't it, for his for his birthday? It um, would have been, yeah. It would have been. <laughs> he, had an, he has an April birthday, doesn't he? And of course, by his birthday, we were in lockdown. And actually, you know, thanks, Emma, really, because I think it was probably you who just sent me a message and said, would you think about doing this online instead? And uh, and I did. It was, yeah, an, it was right. an idea whose time had come. That's right. That's right. So it was kind of it was there in the wings, the, you know, the, the passion for it. And and I'd already I already knew exactly how to teach it. As I said, I'd trialed it already, but face to face. So then it was a matter of designing a workshop that would work over over you know Zoom, essentially. And so I had to work out all the timings. And, and I did that. And I had a trial group, ran that, developed a, a Facebook sort of community group, private group. Um, and and that was it. Like it just took off. You know, I was then booked up every single week for for about four months, um, and I'm still going now. So, yeah, it's uh, it was definitely uh, a silver lining of this lockdown for me has been has 
it's been this opportunity to launch this 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 type of business working online definitely yeah so you kind of you really tapped into the zeitgeist I think they're at a kind of pivotal point where yeah. we were all looking for something to to yeah. sort of soothe, soothe, our, soothe ourselves and, and comfort ourselves. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah. Do you think, looking back on it now, with a sort of a few months of distance, is there any advice that you would give your past self or anything you might have done a little bit differently? I appreciate that yeah. you know, your business is still a fairly sort of yeah. in its infancy. Yeah, but... that's right. No, it is. Although it's so interesting because it is in its infancy, but it does feel like a lot has happened since um, April, which is when I launched it. Yeah, I think the thing that sp- would spring to mind would be looking back would be if I could you know, sort of sp- speak to myself, I'd tell myself really value your time. Actually, I think this is the thing. I think when you launch a project, which is a passion project, you know, it's something you love and you've wanted to do this for a long time and you have to kind of pinch yourself that you're actually doing it. And that was how I felt. And that's how I still feel. But at the same time, you have to uh, honour the fact and value the fact that this is a lot of your your time and your energy is going into this. And uh, and you've just got to be mindful of that, I think, in terms of the way you're approaching it, um, allowing yourself times to have a bit of a break and just the way you're, you're designing your business. Actually, I think that's really important. So I think I probably went quite full pelt, but I do have two small children at home. I also have a job. So this was being done in my in my <laughs> spare time. And it was also lockdown, so I was I was homeschooling. It was busy, yeah, it was busy. But I was sort of I I, I think I dug deep and I found you know some energy to do this, which is great. But I do think you do need to sort of pace yourself, which is hard to do actually when you're feeling ex- extremely excited about something and you want to respond to everybody very very quickly. Uh, I think it must, it must have been hard as well because the response was so good. Yeah. You had people clamouring for places. Oh, I probably did. there was the temptation that you know you probably could have yeah. had two workshops a week in the well, in that's those right. early Yeah, I think I didn't do. I only did one workshop a week, and I did that week in week out for goodness. Um, I don't know the first three, at least three months. And I think looking back, why didn't I just schedule in a, a, you know, a week off? Because it's you know baking bread is lovely. It's not actually something that you know has to happen in a great hurry. I'll talk more about that. So yeah, probably should have done. But you know, it was just too too tempting to please everybody. I think you were having so much fun. Yeah, it was great. I was actually. It was lovely. Yeah, definitely. What's been the high point? for you up to now what have you discovered about yourself since starting the gypsy baker is the community aspect it really is and I think you know I have so much to I I feel so grateful to the community around me and then the wider community because what really happened was the whole (laughs) the whole way the business grew which is entirely organic and just based on instincts I hadn't read any kind of how to build a business books or listen to a business podcast what I did was I just initially put my uh, I just put like a, a little post out on my own personal Facebook group to say, I'm thinking of doing this. I'm thinking of running these workshops. Who might be interested? I think I had enough response, maybe 30 people engaging, which made me think, OK, I'll create a group, which I think I then did the next day. Invited those people to the group who were keen. And I then quickly trialed that workshop, told everybody about it 
probably put some pictures up of my bread and the people who were making bread with me on that trial workshop. And then people were booking in. And once they were doing the workshop, then they were talking about it in the community. And then that was getting so, other people excited. So it was real word of mouth it was kind word of, of excitement. Mouth. Yeah. And then what's so nice is that, yes, my product is teaching people how to bake a basic loaf of sourdough bread. But it's such a journey. And you know, Emma, because you were one of my first first customers. And it's like you you do the workshop, but then you get hooked. <laughs> and you have you to keep the, you know, have, the sourdough you know, bug. Yeah, you want to keep that starter alive. And you want to keep baking. And, and then you bake more and more then you think I want to explore different types of flour or different levels of water and or different oh I've got oh I've got a new bit of kit let's try it out and so then you're on a journey and I think that there's a, such a lovely feeling of accomplishment um actually <laughs> pulling that golden loaf out of the oven and then if you know I think people know they've got that lovely Facebook group there I have to say which is lovely because of all the people in it you can ping a picture of your loaf there and you're going to get support you're going to get people you know telling you that's really good or you can ask them a question and somebody will will chip in and there's a nice peer support and and that's what I'm grateful for actually it's that and that I can see my customers carrying on their journey and it's enabled me to kind of explore perhaps other adventures with those customers which is something we can talk about later on but it's lovely it's a great it's my favorite group on Facebook <laughs> I would say that but you know it's you're, a great group people talk to each other on say that. that yeah it's lovely okay. and, that's, and somebody did actually say that to me somebody said you've created a group where people actually talk to each other and they're nice to each other and that means a lot actually I think we, we, we all need that comforting little corner of the internet to go and yeah talk about talk about our bread what have you found the most challenging, perhaps apart from <laughs> juggling homeschooling two children in lockdown? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> goodness, I'm just having a bit of a, yeah, flashback. a, bit of a flashback then. Yeah. So what's hard for me is actually the boundaries. It's like, you know, I've got my mobile phone on me. So I could be over the summer, for example, out and about with my kids doing stuff or at home doing stuff with them. And I can see my phone flash and I'll be thinking, but I want to respond because you know, I care about those people. Yeah. Those are my customers, and I just want to, and that that's not great. So it's kind of you're just always going on. Back, I think we're talking, <laughs> yeah, going back to the whole kind of boundary setting and and sort of not allowing it to completely take over my life, even though probably I quite like it too. But that's not healthy. So you know, just having that balance really. What are your ambitions for say the next twelve months of the business? What does success look and feel like to you? First and foremost, I really, really love teaching my sourdough workshop, which I've now piloted. I've taught over 90 people and I, you know, I conduct feedback survey and I, I look at that closely. And on the whole, everybody's been really happy. It's great. So actually, I still want to keep running that workshop. It means a lot to me. But perhaps what I'd like to do is start to broaden my, my audience a bit or my, my client base. And so um, one sort of idea might be to... I don't know, I haven't sort of started going down this avenue, but maybe start to run that workshop perhaps for kind of corporate groups and sort of for mm-hmm. team building um, exercises. I've, I have trialed it for a team building uh, group and it worked well. And by doing that sort of generate a little bit more income, which I could then use to uh, offer some some scholarships or bursaries to people who wouldn't be able to afford the workshop something like that is a vision that I have for the future that would bring me a lot of satisfaction because I do genuinely believe that this is a good life skill to have and it brings a lot of kind of good calm feelings and this nurturing instinct that can kind of boost you mentally as well so yeah maybe there's that one idea and the other thing is 
I'm actually just on the brink. So next week I'm, I'm launching a, a, a bit of a cookery school, really, Kitchen Stories. It's a new series and I'm collaborating with three chefs and we're co-teaching. Really, I'm hosting the event and they are teaching, but we'll be doing it together and we're te- doing masterclasses on different different areas of cookery. That's something that I'm excited about too. And let's see, you know, if that goes well on this first trial in December, then perhaps there's a second series in it. And, um, you know, I do have some other, I've got quite a lot of chefs actually that I could, I could work with. And so that's quite exciting. So it's kind of further exploring this platform, this, 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 you know, learning from your own kitchen, which of course is something that had to happen because of COVID. But actually I think people quite like it. And I think people, when they're learning in their own kitchen with their own, uh, equipment, wearing their own comfy clothes and just relaxing. I think that they're probably more likely to to recreate what they're learning and enjoy the experience. So I kind of want to explore it a bit more. That's a really interesting point, sort of having that mix of being in your comfort zone at home, but being connected to other people. And I love yeah. the idea of, of, of kitchen stories and uh, learning about uh, yeah. about. A one a recipe or a, a a group of recipes and the stories behind them. So I think we're oh, all yeah definitely. I mean, searching for that so many stories, connection and, yeah. and stories through uh, through through different means. So just thinking about the, uh, the the class itself, there might be other people who like me found the idea of keeping a sourdough starter alive a bit daunting. <laughs> yeah. Alongside you know keeping two small humans alive, it's like oh yeah. no, now I'm responsible yeah, for a starter. <laughs> What would you say to anybody who is sort of thinking, feeling a bit uh, daunted? I think that, I think really, um, I mean, when I'm teaching the workshop, one of the things I'm trying to do is like demystify sourdough and kind of make it as simple as possible. And so I I have a kind of checklist that I I keep repeating during my first session um, of the workshop, which is when we're learning all about starter. And it's just that, like, keep this checklist in your mind, which is that, you know, if you can see some bubbles there, then it's active. If it smells good and yeasty and, and nice, <laughs> you know, then it's doing well. If it's if it looks like thick porridge, it's doing well. And, and basically, if you can just have those three very quick little check, that little checklist there in your mind and, and you tick the boxes, then you know it's doing well. And if it's not, well, then it needs a bit more food, a bit more flour, a bit more water. Or it needs, you know, a spell in the fridge to slow things down or maybe it, to activate it more. It needs a spell, you know, on, on your kitchen surface at room temperature. And all this, all, what I'm saying now, actually, I appreciate to, to a listener who, who has never done sourdough. They might be thinking, oh, what, my word, that's too much information. But once it's there in front of you, and I think that's the beauty of the workshop, actually, because we're interacting with it straight away. You know, I send the starter in the post. Um, I had somebody learn with me last week. Um, he was learning from France and the starter you know, it, it survived <laughs> the padded envelope, got there and we, we, you know, activated it and she was there and she was learning whilst feeding it, looking at it, smelling it. It's like awakening your senses. It's just switching those, those, uh, yeah, those senses on and just, just checking that it's all right and working with nature. You are working with nature and sourdough starter is pretty hardy, actually. I mean, it really is. Well, yours, yours is very well travelled, isn't it? It's got oh, it. It's, talking of speaking of stories. Oh, it is. <laughs> It has Can a I great share story. the story? Yeah. story? Yeah. So, yeah, my sourdough starter. I mean, I've had lots of sourdough starters over the years. I've made my own and I've had different ones people gave me. But this particular one that is is the one that I that I that I've been using for the last couple of years, and I have now shared it. Oh my word! At least a hundred times, if not many more times, actually. Now I used to, yeah, because I've taught like ninety people in the workshop, and I've definitely 
shared it with lots of people off the workshop. Basically, it was given to me by a very dear friend of mine who was who was called Alessandra, and uh, she was a well, she had a very exciting, interesting life. She was a humanitarian psychologist. She travelled all over the world, but did own a house in Oxford, which is where I live. And so when she'd come back from missions, we would meet up and eat bread together. She'd always come round for bread and drink wine and have chats, tell stories, definitely. And she wrote an amazing book, actually, which I will just plug. It's called The the, um, Idealist's Survival Kit. It's an amazing book. And she uh, that was published by a Californian publisher. So she went over to California. This is now uh, almost three years ago to meet her publisher and have some do some talks and yeah, spend some time there. And she got a visa for three months, spent time in California. And I asked her, when you go there, please, you know, enjoy the bread um, and find your favorite bakery. Now, Alessandra was very academic, so she <laughs> took it upon herself to like... A very really thorough research. investigation. <laughs> yeah, totally. She was going around. It was wonderful. And she'd update me. It was absolutely fantastic because I've never been to, to San Francisco before, which is where she was. And it just was amazing. She was telling me all about these. You know, she wasn't going to the kind of ones on the high street. She was going down the little alleyways and micro bakeries and all kinds of places. And uh, yeah, she found this. She she found her favorite bakery, and I just said, please ask the baker for just a teaspoon of his starter or her starter. And uh, that's what she did. And she put it in a little little jam jar. By the way, Alessandra wasn't a baker, but she just loved good bread. So she was a bit nervous about this starter. And oh my word, what am I? How am I going to transport it back? And she managed it. She managed it. Um, delivered it back to me in Oxford. I, I never forget that day. Actually, her sort of. <laughs> she just got off the bus from Heathrow. There she was. She hadn't even got back to her house yet. Here's the starter, Hannah. I'm exhausted, but you've got to have the starter. I don't know what to do with it. Took it in. <laughs> you know, immediately. You know, nurtured it as, as just like you would, Emma, because you know exactly how to do all of that now. And that, and then it became it became the starter. And it, I, I must say, I mean, it was immediately very good starter. It was very lively, quickly and smelt beautiful and I baked and baked now that the really terribly sad part of this story is that my dear friend Alessandra had breast cancer and later that very year passed away but the beautiful part of this this story is that you know she really inspired me because you know she she knew how much I loved baking and she had said to me in my very kitchen actually that I needed to do something with this that it was a shame for me just to bake passionately just for you know just for me and my family that I should I should either, I don't know, set up a bakery or teach others. And she was what, a brave What woman a great and I story. Yeah. And it's like her that combination of how she brought you the kind of the method and she gave you the inspiration. She did, actually. And I'm, <laughs> I'm very close to her. Um, well, she's, she was one of five, but two of her siblings. And I've taught them to bake sourdough, actually, which is really special. They've got her starter as well. And it just it's just lovely. And the fact that, you know, very sadly, she's passed on, but that this starter... Um, is alive and it gives life to so much bread and so much joy to so many people is incredible so my starter is obviously called Alessandra I had to name it <laughs> I'm sure she'd be very happy with that <laughs> as a legacy yeah absolutely yeah do you think there's something about that physical process of making your own bread that's quite therapeutic and do you think it's that that's really resonated with people during this really stressful period in our history. Yeah, I do. No, I really do. I mean, I, I see great like therapeutic value in, in, in making your own bread. Um, just from the from the very, you know, just from that, even even just mixing some flour and water into your starter and just watching it, you know, you're, you are being mindful, um, noticing uh, its behaviour 
mixing the dough, especially if you mix it by hand, you know, you're in the moment, you can't do anything but feel that flour and water coming together. It's very beautiful. Kneading the dough, stretching and folding is quite a stress reliever, really. It's lovely. And then the fact that you've got to work with nature, you know, you can't speed the process up. You can slow it down slightly with different, you know, techniques but you can't speed it up and that's a good lesson for us I just think that our lives particularly pre-lockdown very busy but you know it's good for us to have certain activities in life where you've just got to wait actually and then I think that end result is just you know it gives you this huge sense of accomplishment you know even if the bread doesn't do as well as you'd hoped it doesn't matter each loaf is unique and I think that's the other thing it's that embracing imperfection you know, accepting that every loaf will be slightly different, but that's okay. It's still going to taste beautiful and you made it. So I find, yeah, I find the process incredibly soothing and incredibly grounding. And I, it's just wonderful. And, you know, I think that's probably, I think it's probably something that a lot of the people who join my workshop hopefully uh, would agree with. And it was a great honour in uh, September. I was contacted by the mental health charity Oxfordshire Mind and they asked me if I would run the workshop for a group of staff as a team builder. And, and I did that. And it was just lovely, really. It, wor- it worked well, but also that it was being recognised as, um, as a really valuable activity to do together. Yeah, and I've, I've been reading about it. There's lots of there's lots of interesting. There's a very good book that I've well I've I've read about I've read the review. I've ordered it for Christmas. It's called um, Bread Therapy by someone called uh, Pauline Beaumont, and I've seen her talk on Instagram. And she's she's actually a therapist and a home baker, and she's she, it just sounds like what she's writing about. It just resonates so much. Yeah, I agree. I think it really can boost your mental well being definitely. And uh, I think there's just something really special as well about swapping that kind of bread in a plastic bag bag that's you know you don't know what's in it (laughs) you don't know where it was made or how long it's been sitting on the shelf for for something that uh, you know it from start to finish that that's just something that you've made for you you and your family yeah have you Um, found that Emma did you are you sort of you know now baking a lot more of your own bread I'm yeah I'm, I'm not um in terms of sort of you know coming to terms with it not being perfect there's definitely <laughs> mine's definitely not perfect and you know since since the your excellent workshop I've never quite achieved the same level of airy beautiful instagram worthy sourdough when you slice through it but yeah, it doesn't you know, taste it, good Emma it tastes great yeah, and great. you know and everyone likes it and does it make and, you feel uh, good as well if I'm honest <laughs> Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot there. no I'm brutally honest sometimes I slightly resent the getting mucky bit and I think that says more about me than anything else (laughs) but the kind of the cleaning up and the sort of the scraping all of the dough but there is nothing I don't think that can beat that sort of smell of freshly baking bread in your oven and just opening it and having a peek and then Mm. getting out and then being the the first one to hack off a slice of it and yeah. well probably too early because it hasn't quite finished cooling down yet so, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not, worry, I'm I'm not, not a patient person <laughs> no but it's it's great and actually there's an, I mean I don't know enough about this but I know that there's a lot of research going into the health benefits of sourdough bread and benefits to our gut health um due to the the, the, the starter basically the fermentation aspect and, and it can actually leave you feeling physically feeling good as opposed to feeling sluggish and maybe bloated which I used to find actually when I'd eat sort of shop-bought bread so I don't know if you if you noticed that as well but 
Mm, interesting. Yeah. I wonder if there's any link to um, sort of gluten intolerance and I, that. Well, kind I've of... read, I've, I've read lots of, uh, um, yeah, I've read that a lot of people who are, we're not talking celiac because, of course, they would not be able to tolerate any gluten. But if, but with certain people with an intolerance find that they can digest sourdough bread far better than than other types of bread, and that's very interesting. I don't know enough about it to talk about that right now, but there are studies, and there's a baker called Vanessa Kimbell who runs the sourdough school, and she's doing a PhD in bread digestibility and gut health. So there's a lot out there. It's very interesting. Yeah. To come back when you've finished all doing your research and uh, yeah. do another podcast. Yeah, tell us all about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, when you're not baking or teaching people to bake, what's your favourite way to switch off? What do I like to do to switch off? I mean, um, so I you'll often you might sometimes see me plodding along the Thames near where both you and I live, sort of trying to do a bit of running. I'm not naturally a good runner, but there's something about it which I just like getting outdoors, being kind of close to nature. So I'll sort of do that. But the other thing I really, really love is singing. And that's been really hard for me in lockdown, actually, because I do sing in a band and a choir and we haven't been able to do that, you know, during the lockdown. It's not been safe to do that. And I miss it. So doesn't doesn't quite work on Zoom the same way that it baking doesn't really know. <laughs> I mean you can and some people have done amazing things but you, I, just nothing beats yeah singing with actual human beings in harmony for me is just yeah that's another happy, little happy place for me so um and I like a bit of yoga a bit of meditation but uh, you know again I probably should do a bit more of that it's just fitting it all in isn't it <laughs> absolutely so coming back to sort of the idea of the business again what uh, advice would you give to anyone that's listening to this who might be sort of thinking about taking that germ of an idea yeah. from the germination stage to actually launching? I mean, first of all, I think if you've, if you've got that real drive and passion, um, I do think it's good to trust your instinct. And I think it's also good just to, t- just to go for it. Um, okay. But I do think it is also really worthwhile studying your audience and your market if you can even just in like an informal way I think you just and so I think what I'm saying here is I think I think you've got to really know your subject and be enthusiastic about it passionate about it know it inside out love it but also know your target audience inside out and I think if you can do that then you're onto something and I think it's interesting at the moment because we you know we live in this age where we've got Etsy we've got Facebook you've got all these places where it looks like you know, great, easy marketplaces to sell and launch ideas. And that's fab. You know, it's, it's a time where, you know, we can, we can just, we can get on with it, click, 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 and we can do it. But I think you also need to focus on, on who actually wants your product as well and, and, and sort of study that a bit. Um, and I'm not saying that, I've, that I necessarily did that extensively, but I suppose in some ways I was lucky because I could see that even just on my own, Facebook group not even group page just on my own profile there were enough local people to get this launched in a soft way okay then I had yeah. that word of and mouth. you could do that in a very low risk it kind was of way risk. because of sort of no yeah. real upfront no. investment that's true if, and that's that's the beautiful thing at the moment isn't it that that's yeah. one thing that you can actually that's do this stuff from home you know your own barriers to entry low. yeah it's good <laughs> yeah what um what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received and who did it come from 
Yeah, do you know, actually, it came last week. A good friend of mine, actually, called Steph Piri, who's the lead singer in the band that I'm in. And uh, and I, I love her a lot. She's great. And um, she's also a business owner. You know, she, she runs big choirs. And uh, and we, we went for a, a socially distanced walk last week. And she wanted to hear all about what I've been doing and wanted to hear about her. And then right at the end of our, of our meetup, just before she left, she just said to me, Hannah, you are your business. So just be you. <laughs> and then she kind of walked off. That was the end of our meeting. And I got on my bike and cycled home. And I know that just sounds really basic, but it was like she was telling me, just be yourself. And I think that's really lovely, actually, because I think I think one thing about about running a business, especially when it's when it's when, you know, it's in lockdown and it's all uh, tied up in social media, which can be amazing. But it can also be really like hard and you can question yourself and so what I'm saying is it can feel like a roller coaster ride actually and and you can sometimes compare yourself very easily to others chart your progress but just by sort of flicking around and looking at other people. Hannah if I gave you a thousand pounds to invest in your business what would you spend it on? (laughs) Okay so first of all totally a KitchenAid (laughs) because I don't have a nice KitchenAid Um, although I say that but actually I mainly do mix my dough by hand so then that would obviously it would speed things up and it would make them it make it all a bit slicker but anyway maybe I should maybe I don't need a KitchenAid I don't know the other thing which is probably quite a boring answer would probably be okay a thousand pounds probably spend it on advertising <laughs> which is really but it's just because I'm realizing now that because I've I've taught most of the people who who know that I exist I think um and want to do the workshop essentially and who, yeah you know and I've and, and then I've taught their friends or their family members and I am selling vouchers actually for Christmas which is lovely and I'm starting to sell a few of those which is fab so there's still there's still life in it which is great but I do need to branch out a little bit and I need to present myself to people who don't have a clue who I am and that's where the daunting stuff comes on social media actually and then it just goes back to that other question you asked me about sort of my ambitions with the business then it can grow and you know I do I do have some lovely ideas for the business but I do need I need people behind screens (laughs) signing up and so I've got to engage them to do that and uh and I'm I'm in an interesting stage at the moment you know because as you know, like I've, I've got my workshops and I intend to keep running them as they are, but also try, I've diversified a little bit recently and trying out some other types of cookery, working with other people. And and that's cool, too. And that that might grow into something bigger, but I just don't know. And it's about how to how to get people interested, really. Great. Well, I look forward to uh, checking in in 12 months time to see how you've uh, <laughs> invested your theoretical thousand pounds. <laughs> not going to give you. Um, but. <laughs> um so just to wrap up can you nominate a woman or more than one if you like that you think we should interview at some point this series or next series is Sandra um who runs a social enterprise called Waste to Taste in Oxford and she's just a woman who is herself <laughs> who is passionate about what she does and she's 3 years ago launched um her dream basically and she's she's delivering she's doing it and she's changing lives so oh I would love to hear her podcast. I think she's fantastic. And there's somebody else, actually. Her name's Lorna, and she's launched a beautiful business um, whereby she's she's a poet and a writer. She writes uh, bespoke stories for children. So she wow. works closely with the family and interview them to find out about their 
their child. So she'll write a bespoke story, uh, very beautiful, very descriptive, very appropriate for that child. She'll she'll record it as an audio story. She's got a beautiful voice. And then her sister is an artist and her sister will draw a beautiful picture of the child in the story. And that and that's and so what she's selling is an audio story that's completely bespoke plus you know a framed print of the child in the story that sounds amazing I know and I I actually with a group of friends we commissioned a story for a very special friend of ours um it was her birthday she was eight last week and and it was just really beautiful gift and I'd love more people to know about her because I think what she's got is just stunning well hopefully she'll uh, she'll agree to have a chat with us Hannah thank you so much for being my very first interviewee I'm thrilled thank you so much for having me on (laughs) thanks very much Hannah have a good evening yeah and you take care bye you've been listening to the middling along podcast do remember to subscribe to be notified when our next episode is live and why not visit the blog at www.middlingalong.com to sign up to my newsletter as well I do hope you enjoyed listening today if you did I'd be really grateful if you would consider leaving a short review as that helps people find the podcast and helps get it noticed. Hope you can join us next time. Goodbye for now. Yeah.